0: Welcome to Four Quarter Lives, a podcast exploring the profound impact of longer, healthier, and more engaged lives, not only for ourselves and our couples, but also for companies and countries. I'm Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, and on this week's Four Quarter Lives, I talk with Theo Cocken, the director of a new movie called Your 100-Year Life. Movie-making is a recent addition to Theo Cocken's long and varied career. After a career in banking and risk management, He founded a pension, investment, and risk management firm called Cardano, and also chairs the Cardano Development Foundation, active in Africa. He's also a professor of risk management at VU University, Amsterdam, and he got into filmmaking after a chance meeting with none other than Monty Python's Terry Jones. Together, they did an earlier film, Boom Bust Boom, trying to explain financial crises to the layperson. Now... He's trying to do the same for longevity.
1: Welcome, Teo. Thank you. Thank you for having me in your show.
0: It's my great pleasure. And I want to start just by learning a little bit more about you. You are prolific in many areas. When, why, and how did you get interested in making movies about longevity?
1: Well, the first important issue is of something that happened in my life is that I started to make movies because it's not something that you, as an entrepreneur and as a professor, that you usually do. As a professor, I was writing a lot, articles and columns and books. And as an entrepreneur, I was also writing a lot. But at some point in time, I thought we need to do something with animations or something or, you know, more visual educational material.
0: With the Times kind of
1: video-based. Absolutely. And... At the same time, I was, I ran into a guy, Robert Buckman, an oncologist in Canada, who was also, also British. And he said, we talked about how, how Monty Python was so fantastic in the way they, they, they entertain people. And he said, yeah, I worked with Monty Python in the past. And, and as an oncologist, I worked with them to explain how doctors should talk to their clients and to their patients. And, and then a few weeks later, uh, I got into contact with Terry Jones. From Monty Python. And he was really intrigued at some point about how I talked about economics and that economics was a social science. But when we, when we go to the university and the way that my colleagues are teaching, many colleagues are teaching economics as if it's physics, you know, as if it's something that follows certain laws and that's always in an equilibrium and all kind of what I call nonsense. <coughs> and Terry and I wanted to make a film about the human side of economics and that it's a social science and that people react to what happens in the markets and the markets uh, react to what happens with people and how crises are endogenous. They they start from within. They start from people themselves. And crises are not something that happens from the outside. You know, that uh, sometimes it can, like a war, but often financial crises are often man-made. So we made a film, Boom, Bust, Boom, together and with a lot of puppets and animations. And yeah, that was really uh, the beginning of what I call my very small documentary career.
0: So I love it. You you got Monty Python to help you explain the comedic or tragic influence of our emotions on financial crises. And that got you Uh, settled on what in the world are we thinking about our own aging?
1: Well, at the same time, uh, I'm, I was involved for 20 years in, in pension funds and aging is also a social something, not only financial, but it's, it's, it has a, a human side. And I, I was fabricated about how worldwide people, governments, for example, they, they, they don't do anything about the increase in life expectancy and the longevity issue. So I got interested in making a movie about how even in, in low-income countries with very young population and in high-income countries with a very old population, it doesn't matter, governments hardly do anything about the, the fact that we live much longer. And so there are lots but of similarities. I mean, what a lot what of-
0: are they doing? About the only response that we hear or read about is a push to increase retirement ages. But you're saying they're doing nothing
1: well that that increase in retirement age should have started twenty thirty years ago, maybe forty years ago, and and they're only doing it now now it's much too late, and the forces are so big that it's unaffordable we cannot pay for people working for thirty five years and being retired for thirty years that's that's not possible and so now it's really let's say at the bursting the whole thing is is, is totally Exploding unacceptable. In our
0: faces yeah
1: exactly Exploding and now we do something, and you see what happens if because this whole aging thing is a is a phenomenon. I like to compare to our biological system and how we how we survived ecologically over the last few million years. That when we when we can eat, we eat as much as we can because usually, let's say not two three hundred years ago and all the hundred thousands of years before, we didn't have enough food. So eat as much as you can. But now we have abundance of food. We shouldn't eat as much as we can. So we get this whole obesity problem in the world. And everyone in 60% in some counties are obese uh, and, and young children even even more. It's terrible. And the same is with retirement. If you ask people, do you want to stop working? They say, yes, please, let me stop working. I don't want to work longer because working is in our heads. Our head is screaming for for leisure time, for, for doing nothing, for a few weeks of holiday. But 30 years of holidays, 30 years of leisure time is ecologically and biologically very bad for us. It's, it's not good. But in the, in the past, we had to rest as soon as we could because we always had to go on and go on. But now we have enough leisure. It's also killing us. It's very bad for us to stay inactive for 30, 35 years. And, and then many people get socially isolated when they retire. So retirement is a concept that, that doesn't fit the Western world. It's just, it's, just not good for us. And and that's something that people are, are around the world are hardly aware of. So too much of a good thing can actually kill us or is
0: killing us. I, I, I get a sense that perhaps your next movie might have something to do with uh, our overeating habits. But let's stick to <laughs> this movie and tell us a little bit about it. It's called Your 100-Year Life. What's it about? What's it for? And what does it cover?
1: So... Because around the world, we live longer. And that goes for, of course, everyone knows Japan. People think in Japan, people get extremely old. And when they go to Africa, they see a lot of young people and they think, oh, these young people, this is a young society. This is not, there is no longevity problem here. But even in, in Africa, in the last 20, 25 years, people got 10 years older because longevity is tremendously accelerating. Because of better healthcare and all kinds of patents that are, are now expired, so uh, healthcare is much cheaper. So things are really going well, but that means that people live a lot longer. And there are the pension systems around the world are, in general, very bad. So they are not prepared and, and not adequate for living till you're 90 or 100 years old. And we do get, at some point, more and more people get over 100 years. So that's why I call it your 100 year life. And sometimes I say people that are born now today, they will live a hundred years on average. We never know if that will happen, but it looks like it. And that means that you, you, you have to do something in your elderly life. You have to prepare financially and you have to prepare as a, as a society, as human beings to work longer, to stay active together, to, to stay social. And that's all going in the wrong direction. We don't save enough. So there is a lot of poverty and in old age and it's increasing worldwide. And on the other hand, we don't prepare well for staying active in our world. So social isolation is, is getting bigger and bigger. And um, also in, in low income countries in Asia and Africa and South America because of urbanization and urbanization is happening everywhere in the world, especially in low income countries that in the past, one in three people would live in a, in a city, but now it's Two or three people live in a city in 2050 or something. So all these things, the 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 not planning well financially and the not planning actively preparing for an, a good old age, let's say not retirement, but actively old age life is, is inadequate around the world.
0: And you do a brilliant job of really depicting a super it's it's an unusually global perspective of this challenge of aging. You really have looked at countries around the globe. And the first part of the movie is kind of doing what you just did, which is, oh my God, we've got this huge problem. And the second part of the movie is a little bit more optimistic, pointing to some of the solutions.
1: Absolutely. Yes. So the first part is more financially, we're preparing really bad and you see more and more people getting into poverty. And not only in uh, Low-income countries. Also in Japan, there is there is a high percentage, and and in Germany, a high percentage of people in poverty. In Germany, it's ten percent, and it's increasing. In Japan, it's even uh, over twenty percent of elderly people that are really, yeah, elderly poor. And I'm actually from a country which has the lowest poverty amongst the elderly people, with um, two percent. But it's will in- the Netherlands, sorry, yeah, <laughs> but it will increase here as well. Because there are more and more self-employed people and the self-employed are not part of the pension system. And that's also the problem in, in, in Africa, for example, where 90% of the people, 80% in most countries is just self-employed yep. and they don't have any benefits.
0: And so there, I mean, I think a lot of people don't quite understand the difference and similarities between high-income countries and then lower- and middle-income countries. Where One of the similarities is we're all aging but lower- and middle-income countries are aging a lot faster. We had decades to age. They're doing it at an accelerated rate, which makes their systems harder to adjust quickly. You've already said we we haven't adjusted very agilely. What's your prediction? What are are we looking at?
1: Yeah, so that's a paradox, isn't it? That we think that these countries, when you... Move into them. You see a lot of young people. But on the other hand, the people that are old are really getting older and in a much faster pace. If we in 50 years time couldn't anticipate a 10 year or five year later retirement age, how can these people do this? Well, actually, they don't have a retirement age usually because they, they don't have a pension system. So the first. System, yeah. Yeah, exactly. They don't have any, any some countries do as uh, South Africa has a pretty good. Social Security for everyone, even if you didn't work, if you if you didn't pay taxes, but most countries have nothing. So they have to prepare financially, and and that's a challenge. And I've been working on that in Ghana, and I'm also working on it now in South Africa in better saving systems. But that's a real challenge, and, and that's something that worries me in that respect. You could say, well, the younger people can easily pay for their parents, but because of urbanization, they're also not really involved that much with their family. It's not one close family anymore. It's more people living apart in different cities. So that's also uh, going in. The the,
0: demographic pyramid is so different than anything (laughs) we've known before. So birth rates have been tumbling all over the world for 20 years. Even Africa's birth rates are falling a lot faster than people had predicted
1: for a long time. So that's, yeah, that's really good news, actually, because I'm one of the things I'm really worried about is the fact that Africa was supposed to, supposed to, was predicted to grow from 1.2 billion now to something like 4 billion. Yeah. And that's now more likely to be something like 3 billion because the fertility rates are really, really going down from, from in Uganda, my wife is from Uganda and they used to have seven kids per family yep. 15 years ago. Now they are around five and in kenya they had 5 and now there are around around three plus so it's really going fast faster than we expected
0: just educate a few of those girls and it'll keep going down even faster
1: yeah but it surprised everyone and uh, and and that's uh, that's good for poverty among everyone in these countries because you it's very unsustainable with all the droughts we have uh, you know on the, the climate change and at the same time they explode in population so that's that's a disaster. But the elderly people are then the biggest problem at some point. They, they, they all grow much older. And at some point, they get the same as here in Europe, that you get an aging society where there are more elderly people than younger people. And then they don't have any pension system. So either they have to stay active, but not everyone can stay active. And I think especially for those ones who are not able to, to stay healthy, they need to have a, a much better system.
0: So... What are the possibilities of a much older world? How are we, <coughs> again, just what's your prediction?
1: Well, the prediction...
0: If I, if uh, I yeah. ask you, let's, let's go to the optimistic side first. What could it look like? What might be the benefits of this basically balanced between older and younger demographic shape that we're coming up to?
1: Yeah, and the ideal picture... I think it would be very good if elderly people work together with younger people. And that's also what we try to show in the film. It's even better for, for companies uh, to have a mixed workforce and uh, not only mixed in cultures, but also mixed in aging and elderly people. Sometimes some of their skills grow worse. Like your, your really mathematical skills are often optimal around 30, maybe 25 or 35 depending on the person. You can still be good in mathematics when you're old. There are also Nobel Prize winners that are old. And at the same time, so it's a better work, a workforce that really works together. And when you get older, you see the bigger picture easier. It's much easier to understand, for example, multidisciplinary things like what I do in the film. It's not about finance only. It's about finance, sociology, Psychology, you have all these things together, how to show uh, mental, your cognitive processes work when you get older. And when you get old, you can, you can see the bigger picture and you can better talk to people and, and, and unite them in, in different disciplines. And so that's the good thing about all the elderly people working with younger people. So I call myself now old, but I'm, okay, I'm 59. <laughs> and, but I, I already see that I have different skills, skills that I lost and skills that I gained. And that makes me really happy. That makes me also looking forward to getting older because it's just, yeah, it's fantastic that you can work with younger people who have the skills that you lost. This loss sounds really bad, but uh, that you have less, maybe you wasn't even interested after a while, doesn't matter. But it's it's, it's nice to work with young, I, I love to work with young people. And yeah, So so in that respect, I think the ideal world keeps elderly people Active and involved in the process, but not so intense as when you were when I was thirty years, I would work at least twelve hours a day. I love to work and then I would go out with my colleagues and still work, probably talking over wine and beer and and still doing your work well that's not possible anymore when you're seventy or eighty to make these intense work great well. at sixty is it Six is perfect yeah you can still do, <laughs> you still have the energy. <laughs>
0: you You referred to retirement as a prison lockdown. What do you mean, and what are you planning for your own
1: sixties as you come up upon them yeah I think what we do with retirement is sending people home, many countries, including mine in the Netherlands. you just employers can just fire you it's it's they can never fire you. you have to have twenty thousand reasons before you can fire someone except age and that's really weird and then they dump you and well, we just had this corona lockdown, of course, in, uh, in the back of our head. Everybody remembers it. Think about a few weeks of lockdown and now think about 35 years of lockdown. That's that's really terrible. That's, uh, it's even worse than the prison. Usually in a prison, you get out unless you have life sentence. But with a long retirement, many people get isolated and get out of the, let's say, the normal social context of working together, having a little bit of tension by talking to people, finding challenges in your work, challenges in convincing people. That all, all those things are, are very good for your self esteem and, and very good for your brains. And what happens? You get excluded. Well, to me, that's, that doesn't make any sense.
0: So, if people, there's obviously a push now, pretty well everywhere, to have people work longer. Governments are doing this, individuals are getting more interested in it for themselves. But will companies let them? There's a third stakeholder in the working longer game. Do you think they'll get on board? Is it much on their radar yet? What did you discover as you were filming?
1: Yeah, so I saw that some employers are really interested. And actually, I read a research recently that the UK employers are best known for, for being really interested in elderly people. And that's also in my film that. Some banks were hiring elderly people. Uh, you see uh, in the United States, people hiring elderly people. But it should be, the process is not optimal. The process is more, for example, now the economy is very, in, in 2023, you see an economy that's overheated in the West and you see a lot of scarcity in employees. So they try to hire elderly people. And then some people conclude, yes, they're more interested in elderly people. Yeah, But they're interested in people. They need, they need employees
0: the talent wars I, are, the talent wars will make them hungry for any any kind of person absolutely yeah so you think this will be just be a, a financial cycle issue that they won't be sustainable
1: yeah well on the other hand i think we do start to learn gradually governments also helping on this and the oecd for example is advising governments to help employers to understand and, and train, for example, middle management in, in companies to understand that elderly people are also very useful. And it's, it's better to have a mix of younger and elderly people than only younger people. So there are there are things that are gradually leading to a higher participation of, of elderly people. You see it in graying societies, as we call them, like like shrinking societies as Germany and Japan, that they have active programs to get elderly people back to work and stay, keep them active. What I think that governments should do in all these countries, actually, and everywhere in the world, is to start with the employees as well, with the people, and to give them insight in what is your purpose in life compared to what you did 30 years ago? What are your skills today compared to what you had? What kind of other jobs fit that purpose? And and what kind of job would you like? And then maybe give them some traineeships. And if they don't know what they want, they can start to do the right education. Governments can help them maybe with a budget. Why do we educate young people and why don't we educate elderly people? Usually the employers educate them in the same job, but maybe you want a totally different job. And then you, you cannot expect from a, from a construction company that they're going to help their, their own employees to become a teacher. So I think there's a role for the government as well to help the re-educational part.
0: So get individual mindset to shifts as well as lobbying or regulating companies to be much more open to older employees.
1: Absolutely. And, and first of all, stop the law that says that if you are 65 or 67, they can just fire you. That, that should be a law that says you can work as long as you want. It's not related to your retirement age. Yeah. But maybe like in Japan, what they do is they, they say you can work longer, but then You can maybe have to renegotiate your contract, and you get a lower salary, which is some of the bad words, demotion, and that's probably the wrong, the wrong words. I think if you work, if you're older and you want to work with less, a less intense job, you can also go for a little bit less money, and you get your retirement income anyway in many countries. So you can still earn money. You get a little bit of extra retirement money. You work less. And you can use your experience and help your employer in, in coaching younger people, working with them in groups. Those kind of things should, be, uh, so the should sac- be normal. So
0: the kind of sacrosanct map of careers that we've all grown up with, that you kind of go up and you keep going up economically and organizationally is obsolete. Now we're going to have to have kind of a new shape of career where we might have a peak at some point in our lives but you're suggesting we're going to have to accept lower pay at some yeah. stage, and stage for a different sort of work style.
1: Absolutely. And, and in the film, I call it the multi-stage life. That's from Linda Gretton from the book The 100-Year Life. And, and the, the good thing about that is that maybe you have, I had my peak maybe in mathematics when I was 35. I have my peak in filmmaking probably when I'm 75. I get better and better in filmmaking. I hope it's, it's not my full-time job. So anyway, it's but it might become my full-time job. It might become my, my, my life fulfillment. So you get different peaks in your life. And of course, I, I work less than I did when I was younger. So you make less money. Well, fine. I mean, that's not a problem. That's why financial planning for uh, elderly life is still relevant. I, I like retirement income. I don't like the concept of retiring people from work.
0: So you know how emotional and behavioral this whole topic is, particularly retirement. Any particular countries you've seen doing it really right or really wrong? I mean, we have all just witnessed what's been going on in France. Your film proves that they're hardly alone in facing reluctant populations. What would you consider best practice, and who's doing it?
1: So there are two main blocks of best practice. One is financially, and preparing well for elderly life and also with retirement age. And I think those countries are more or less Scandinavian countries, all of them, together with the Netherlands. We're usually number one or two as it comes to financial adequacy. Canada and Australia are also doing well. So those countries are doing well financially, but it doesn't mean that they're doing well as it comes to their older population to keep them active, to keep them involved, to keep them socially Part of the society. So in, in that respect, you see more countries like Japan and Germany that have really plans for, uh, for elderly people. Like I show in my film with these silver centers in Japan where people can find a totally different job and have part time work. But that started because they had a big problem and they had a problem with the, the boom in, in, aging people in retired people. And so they stopped retirement and they 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 reverted and they get, they went back to work. And everybody liked it. That's a, People were doing this. They're really, really happy. I show a almost 100-year woman who goes to work every day, has to transfer via the bus stations, and she likes it. And she's, she looks like, in her brain, she looks 40 years younger, if you look at her. So I, in that respect, the countries that are doing well as for human beings, sociologically, are not necessarily the countries that have a very good pension system because Germany and Japan are not doing well with their pension systems.
0: Okay, so these are separate issues that that have connections, but they're not being managed right now. So you're talking a little bit from shifting the whole design from sort of aging society concepts to much more longevity readiness, which is still kind of a new phenomenon that isn't being widely embraced quite yet. So your film does a fantastic job of scoping all this out in a really educational but humorous and very human way. How, can people, how and where can people see your movie? And how can they connect with people to have it shown if they want in their
1: companies or countries? So everyone wants to see the film or wants to, to screen it with a group of people they can have access to the film and I, I can give them the, the link to the film and a password. Yep. So, And that'll be on your website, how they can get the, uh, the link. Yeah, so we'll put it in the uh, That's one. Yep. You might wonder, why don't I give it to you? I can put it on YouTube or anything, but we're still doing broadcasting in many different countries, in the US and in, in the UK and in, in, well, many different countries. And we are, we're having a kind of salespeople trying to promote the film also to streaming services like Netflix. It's not for the money because I, I, I can give the film away for free to everyone who wants it. But it's to get, if, you get, if you're on the streaming services or if you do broadcasting, you reach a huge amount of people. If I put it online, they will never broadcast it anymore. So that's why I have to keep it a little bit behind the password. And in a few years' time, it will be available to everyone. But everyone who wants to actively seek access can get it.
0: Fantastic. Okay, so listeners, this is a great film. I highly recommend it. It is kind of longevity 101 for the masses, but also for people in all different countries around the world, which will really, I think, accelerate our general awakening to the topic. did what did you learn making this
1: film? What I learned the most is... How important it is to stay active, and how these very old people are active. It doesn't need to be a job, but needs to be in a social group, doing things together. Maybe we have people in 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 farmlands that where elderly people help the family in in working on the farm a few hours a day. These people are extremely healthy, mentally healthy, socially involved. So I knew everything I think about finance, but I learned a lot about the human side of. Staying active at, an, uh, at what you call Q3, Q4, and that's fantastic. I, I totally agree with, with what you try to achieve. So we're on the same page, of course. But that's what I learned.
0: Parallel pushes. Any advice for our listeners who aren't likely to be on a farm with their families, staying in community, but are much more likely to be global urbanites in knowledge work, what should they each be thinking and doing about our own future selves? What are you thinking think about should, your yeah. own future self
1: too? So I, I'm thinking a lot, and that's what I would advise as well to people. What's changed in me over my lifetime? Where am I good at? What are the things I like now? What makes me feel good? You have to even write it down sometimes. Oh, I like this. I like this. I, I liked it when I, I was helping someone, with, for example, with... Explaining something, and then I felt good. then you write it down. Maybe you should become a teacher, maybe you should become a coach, or i I like to be an entrepreneur because I, I did something and I set something up with a friend, and I, I actually I wanted to do it myself. so there are lots of things that you you can do when you grow older, but you have to find a way to disclose it for yourself, and probably a coach can help, or a friend, you can go to a friend, you can go to a, a work, coach, but then elderly life work $100. coaches.
0: You're you're suggesting self knowledge is key in terms of transitioning from one form of work or one phase of life to the next.
1: Yeah, self knowledge, and also then what could fit to that. Now you know what you want. What fits with that? The funny thing is, I so in Holland, I um, in the Netherlands we have we have a, a thing called the IMC weekend school, and that's where you you send younger people from, let's say, low income areas in the Netherlands. You send them to a school where they teach. Then not the normal things like mathematics or, or language, but what kind of occupations are there? And, 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 and they, you can become a judge and then they do a few weeks of playing a judge and you become, you can become a surgeon and you go to the hospital and they work with the surgeon. And all these kids do much better. Uh, they, they following them now for 20, 25 years. And after school, they do much better than the average in the region. Why? Because they are inspired. Well, I can do this. This fits me. And I think that we should do the same for elderly people. See what fits you. What, what do you want? What are your skills and your, and your purpose? And what would fit you? And that's a challenge, but that's something where the government can work, I think. But you can do it. You can also do it yourself. And of course, you can or ask a coach or someone in your environment to help you.
0: Teo, I think that sounds like a good idea, and I think maybe we should start another entrepreneurial journey on how do we get people ready to uh,
1: reimagine their possible future selves. Absolutely, yeah, it's the the imagination of what you could be, and that's and we as people we have a lot of imagination, but but. Apparently, when we're working, we're paralyzed with fear, like, oh, but I do this, I cannot do anything else. This is what I, I don't want to lose my job. Oh, I, I have to retire, then uh, Then life will be fantastic. No, you have to reimagine a life where you're active, uh, and, but not suffering. You know, you sh- work shouldn't be suffering. And, and that imagination is, is very important.
0: Okay, Theo. A school in creativity and imagination for the older. Uh, out from this. And I I think your film is a really good kind of step in exactly that. It's a school in imagination. So thank you very much for making it and for sharing it so openly. Let's get people to dream in their third and
1: fourth quarters. Absolutely. And you're welcome. We appreciate it.
0: À la prochaine.
1: Uh, À la prochaine. (laughs) Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. For more thinking about the impact of our four-quarter lives, you can read my column at Forbes and subscribe to my Elderberry's newsletter on Substack. Let's design lives that aren't just longer, but better.